the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us this Monday morning, the 28th morning of the te- 28th morning of the 10th month, excuse me, of the year of our Lord, 2019. And we have one big story today. There are many other stories going on, but this will remain our focus. And uh, with very good reason. The leader of the Islamic State. ISIS leader, one of the, and not one of, in fact, he was the number one most wanted man on the terrorist watch list. Um, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is dead. And we're going to talk about this coming up in about 11 minutes with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. I just got back, uh, or just heard back, rather, from his people. He's very, very busy on Capitol Hill, as uh, are so many other legislators, with the kangaroo court. Uh, impeachment proceedings continuing, but he will join us to uh, react to this situation and also to talk about that kangaroo court as well as the ongoing investigation of John Durham, the federal prosecutor. But for now, uh, we do want to just focus on the fact that yesterday there was great news shared by the President of the United States. Last night, the United States brought the world's number one terrorist leader to justice, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, is dead. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is dead. How did he die, Mr. President? He died after running into a dead-end tunnel, whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. Whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. I absolutely love the imagery that the president shared with us. The thug who tried so hard to intimidate others spent his last moments in utter fear in total panic and dread, terrified of the American forces bearing down on him. Baghdadi's demise demonstrates America's relentless pursuit of terrorist leaders and our commitment to the enduring 
and total defeat of ISIS and other terrorist organizations. Terrorists who oppress and murder innocent people should never sleep soundly, knowing that we will completely destroy them. These savage monsters will not escape their fate, and they will not escape the final judgment of God. Baghdadi was vicious and violent, and he died in a vicious and violent way as a coward running and crying. So the president yesterday just laying it all out, exactly how it went down. They detailed uh, as much as they can, you know, obviously not classified stuff, but as much information about the operation that led to the death of this barbaric uh, murderer and torturer and rapist and killer and genocide uh, 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 um, uh, committing uh, uh, terrorist uh, as he possibly could. I-, I got a message here I want to share. A liberal friend of mine, uh, that I actually went to school with, um, uh, likes to try to message me during the shows from time to time because he hates what I'm talking about. Uh, he's still a friend because he's a good guy. He's just very misguided ideologically. But, um, he messaged me during the last segment, um, you're being ridiculous. All Americans are happy when terrorists are taken out. Trying to insinuate that Dems would have, would have leaked to rob Trump of a victory is not only incorrect, but predictable and petty. My response to that is going to be direct. If you hook up every congressional Democrat to a polygraph and ask them if they'd rather have al-Baghdadi dead right now with Trump getting the credit for greenlighting this operation, or if they'd rather have had him escape, thus embarrassing Trump, what do you think the results would be? Put them on a polygraph and demand under oath how they feel about it. Would they rather have him be dead or alive? I would be willing to bet you everything I've ever earned in my life that they would say, that the vast majority of them would say, maybe not to a man or a woman, but the vast majority of them would say they would rather have had him uh, uh, um, live, to escape, to get tipped off, whatever. Something to rob Trump of this victory, something to rob Trump of this, um, you know, and it really is only a temporary um, attention turn away from the impeachment uh, uh, inquiry, but but that's what they would rather have. They would rather have him escape and live, this terrorist, to continue to lead the Islamic State than have him be dead and have Trump be able to take the attention away from the, the impeachment for a while, get a victory, and have uh, this victory lap. And by the way, I think it's also important to remember this. Do you recall when Osama bin Laden was captured, or excuse me, cornered, and then killed by SEAL Team 6. Do you recall what Donald Trump did? He was just a citizen, ordinary citizen in 2011. Do you recall what Donald Trump did, what he said? He went on Twitter, this is again back in 2011, um, and did he go on Twitter or did they just present it as a tweet? I can't remember now because I read this this morning. It was a great reminder. But that President Trump made an official statement back when he was just candidate Trump, personally congratulating. No, it was right on Twitter. I have it in front of me now. May 2nd, 2011, 11.21 a.m., President Trump tweeted, again, then just Donald Trump, billionaire, uh, real estate mogul, and TV show host in, in New York City. Donald J. Trump then said, I want to personally congratulate President Obama 
and the men and women of the armed forces for a job very well done. I am so proud to see Americans standing shoulder to shoulder, waving the American flag in celebration of this great victory. We should spend the next several days not debating party politics, but in remembrance of those who lost their lives on 9-11 and those fighting for our freedom. God bless America. Now, I want you to think about that. I want you to consider the type of person that Donald Trump is and was back in 2011 to praise President Obama in such a way and to call for national unity, to call for shoulder-to-shoulder standing, not debating, waving American flags. And I'm going to ask you this. What have we heard from Barack Obama since the announcement was made yesterday of the death of al-Baghdadi? What have we heard from uh, Democratic leaders, from Hillary Clinton? We've heard a little bit of partisan sniping. We've heard a little bit of, uh, we should have been warned first. We should have been told on about this first. We heard a few of those things. But we have not yet heard anything even close to what Donald Trump said after the death of bin Laden. Congressman Jim Jordan joins us next on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Ten twenty now. The Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We are awaiting the call from Congressman Jim Jordan in Washington. Uh, going to update us on a number of things, including what is going on on the Hill with respect to the ridiculous impeachment inquiry. And I'm going to continue to use those modifiers to describe it, honestly, until it's not that. It's ridiculous until there's a vote. It's a kangaroo court until it's legitimate. Uh, it is uh, it is a show trial for political partisan purposes until it's not. And uh, that's exactly what um, the, you know the truth is, and that's exactly what we should point out. So uh, Congressman Jordan's going to be joining us. He did retweet. From um, Congressional, uh, uh, excuse me, Oversight Committee Republicans, rather, the message from Saturday that, yes, there was a Saturday deposition called by the Democrats and Adam Schiff. Yes, it was done in a secret bunker. Yes, it was done with no public testimony. And yes, it was done with no transparency. And yes, at Rep. Adam Schiff's so-called impeachment inquiry, is a total sham. That was tweeted by uh, Congressman Jordan, or excuse me, by the Oversight Committee Republicans, retweeted by Congressman Jordan on Saturday. So this is what is occupying most of his time, but he will have some thoughts for us, obviously, on the announcement yesterday, excuse me, of the death of Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. The other thing that um, Congressman Jordan is concerning himself with is, as I pointed out on Friday's show, through an even raspier voice than I had today, that um, the probe the investigation being led by uh, federal prosecutor John Durham at the behest of the Attorney General William Barr has shifted from a an administrative inquiry to a criminal investigation. And that's where we are now. So we find out that Durham is going to be investigating the investigators like nobody has ever seen, Comey and Clapper and Brennan and uh, McCabe and 
possibly all the way up as high as Loretta Lynch, and dare I say, because I think we've seen enough evidence of this, all the way up to President Barack Obama, because number one wanted to remain informed of what was going on with their efforts, if you recall in some of the text messages between the paramours, um, uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. So all the way up. So anyway, now that that probe is being uh, advanced into a criminal investigation, the other thing that Congressman Jordan was quick to point out on Twitter is that now we also hear that the FBI, dirty and complicit at its highest levels, may have altered the 302s from General Flynn's interview. That information given by Flynn's attorney, Sidney Powell, filed under a under seal uh, a brief in response to federal prosecutors' claims that may have they may have already given Flynn's defense team all the evidence they need uh, to provide. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. I'm told Congressman Jordan is available now, so let's bring him on the air on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. <clears throat> How are you doing? You, you all... You were, you were, I guess, under the weather there a little bit last week. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. A little bronchial things going on. It uh, seems to be spreading around a lot of folks right now, but uh doesn't yeah. matter to me. What matters to me is what's going on where you are. There's so much I want to get to with you because you've been so sure. busy uh, on the Hill over the last uh, couple of weeks, especially with this kangaroo court. But let's start with the news uh, of the death of Abu Bakar uh, al-Baghdadi. You know, I, I, mm. I watched this. And I think, wow, finally, something that might bridge a little bit of the divide, the political, ideological divide in America, because we will all get together and cheer this. And instead, what do we see? We see left-wing media eulogizing, memorializing the dead terrorist, and we see liberals complaining, how come we weren't informed, rather than saying, great job, President Trump and American military um, personnel. Yeah, Yeah, you know, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the president of the United States is doing his job, and he's doing it in spite of a relentless attack, this unfair partisan impeachment process that they're doing, and, and just, just an attack that has been nonstop from the left, from the mainstream press, from every single Democrat, and from, frankly, a handful of Republicans. And yet he continues to do his job and do it in an excellent way. And uh, the, the killing of this, this evil person, this evil terrorist, is just one more example of that. But you're right, the left, they, they can't. It, when you're so focused on going after the president, you can't even step back and say this is a good day for America, a good day for, for the world, frankly. Um, they just, they just they refuse to do that because they're so determined to get the president. I think, I think people see through it. I, I think they do. Most Americans outside of Washington, D.C., see through it. From a policy standpoint, Congressman, you know, because we've been discussing, and you and others on the Hill have been, uh, you know, tasked with trying to process the president's decision to pull uh, troops out of northern Syria. We know what that has led to with the Turkish incursion, and we also know that there's been a ceasefire that has been negotiated as well. But the question now becomes, with the ISIS leader gone, there are still roughly 14,000, 15,000, it is estimated ISIS fighters, if you will, probably looking for new leadership. Um, how do you think uh, we should handle this? in terms of our presence in Iraq, our presence in Syria, uh, and uh, again, with respect to the Turkish incursion? Well, I, I mean, look, I, I, I trust, I trust the, the, the president, the commander-in-chief, and, you, you know, again, look what happened uh, two days ago when we took out uh, our, our great troops, took out al-Baghdadi. Um, so I, I trust that he's making the right. It's, it's a tough situation. He's trying to balance all the interests of the United States, and frankly, he's trying to balance, uh, I mean, I, I was in in the White House with the president a few weeks ago, and he actually showed a, a group of us who were there with him, he showed us the stack of letters that he signed to parents who have lost a, a, a son uh, serving our country, wearing the uniform of our great nation, um, and that weighs on his mind as well. So he's trying to balance all this, do what's mm-hmm. best for uh, the United States, 
make sure that, that you know, you, you saw what I think Senator Graham said this week with, with the Kurds controlling some of the oil, and that's going to be helpful in this, this, this sort of balance we're trying to, to, to achieve there. Uh, we'll see how it, how it shakes out. What I know is two days ago, the announcement yesterday morning was a good day for the United States. This president is, as I said, and as you said, doing his job in spite of this un, unbelievable and relentless and unfair attack that he is uh, getting from the Democrats. And we'll just, we'll just trust him and see how, how this, uh, this takes out. Well, I certainly trust his instincts on keeping this from certain congressional leaders, Democratic congressional yeah. leaders, as he said yesterday, because no everything they do leaks. No kidding. I mean, look at the Washington Post story where they're talking about the types of – at first, it's a false – in so, so many ways, I think, misleading story – but they're talking about the types of questioning that we members are asking in these depositions. Now, every, when every one of these depositions ends, Adam Schiff gives an announcement. He says, you're not to share any substantive matters of this deposition uh, outside uh, after we leave here. And yet the Washington Post now has a, has a read of the type of questions we're asking, which, which I, I think sort of ironic that, you know, they're talking about our questions. Um, if, if our questions aren't, aren't the appropriate questions, then I think they just leave it alone. But now that they're highlighting, I think it's, we're actually asking the kind of things we need to be asking in these hearings. But leaking this out, first they're done in secret, and then he just goes and leaks this information out to the press. It is, it is uh, again, just one more example of how absurd this whole thing is. No question about it. Now, let, let's talk about uh, the um, uh, um, news that we got on Friday, that the administrative probe being conducted by federal prosecutor John Durham at the behest of the attorney general has been uh, shifted now into criminal investigative mode. Uh, yep. What does this mean for Brennan, Clapper, Comey, McCabe, Lynch, and maybe even all the way up to the former president? Well, well the short answer is we don't know, but uh, I, I have the utmost respect for, for Bill Barr, and I so appreciate the way he and Mr. Durham have, have conducted themselves. Um, We'll have to see. What I do know is I, I happen to catch Mr. Clapper on TV the night that it was announced that it's now been moved up to criminal. Uh, this is now a criminal investigation, and he didn't seem to be quite as uh, uh, quite as quite as easygoing on on the on the TV show that night. So we'll have to see. What I did notice though was the comment Adam Schiff made yesterday on the press, where he said Bill Barr is now weaponizing the DOJ, and I'm like, what? This is the guy who Jim Comey, who spied on two American citizens during 2016. Jim Comey, who let Peter Strzok run the Trump-Russia investigation when Michael Horowitz said there's no way he should have been in charge of that investigation. Not because he was biased against the president. He shouldn't have been in charge of it because he had run the Clinton investigation. Jim Comey, the guy who let the dossier be used by a secret at a secret court and get a warrant to spot on one of our fellow American citizens. And now Adam Schiff is saying... Bill Barr is weaponizing. This is laughable, but this is how these Democrats behave. They, they always accuse us. The left always accuses the, the uh, conservatives and Republicans. They always accuse us of what they, in fact, did. And it, it, it ticks me off, and I think it ticks off so many Americans. So th- th- understand what's going on here. They're going after the president in this unfair partisan impeachment process. But what they're also trying to do is go after Bill Barr. Remember a few weeks ago when Nancy Pelosi said Bill Barr is going rogue? This is all to attack because they're nervous that these guys are actually going to find out what in the heck took place 2016, 2017 with, with Comey and the FBI and these folks in the intelligence community. Well, finding out things is what you and uh, some of your colleagues, led by Representative Gates last week, uh, wanted to do is is get down in, into the underground bunker where the you know opaque, cloaked uh, uh, hearings are going on, rather than transparent hearings to try to undo the will of the American voters and remove the President of the United States from power. Do you believe that was impactful, and do you think it is something that will continue? Should congressional Republicans continue to march down there until they are allowed to see what's going on? Yes. And look, this is not to disrupt anything. This is just so they can see. Remember, 
Never forget this fundamental fact. I started talking about this two weeks ago, and I think this is so critical. There are 435 members of the United States Congress representing three-quarters of a million people in their respective district, over 300 million people in this country. Democrats are trying to impeach the president of the United States based on some anonymous whistleblower that only one of those 435 members has seen. Only one of those 435 members knows who that person is, and more importantly, or as importantly, knows who those handful of people are who form the basis of this whistleblower's complaint. Only one knows who that, that, that those individuals are, Adam Schiff. Somehow, that, that, we're supposed to believe that's okay? That's crazy. The idea that the rest of the Congress doesn't know, and more importantly, the American people don't know, only Adam Schiff, the guy who's running this, this whole charade down in a bunker in the basement of the Capitol in, a, in secret proceedings, he's the only one allowed to know this? That's crazy. So I think that is the, the, the most important point right now is to say, why is Adam Schiff the only one that gets to know who these handful of people are who started this whole process to try to impeach the guy we all elected as president? That is crazy yeah. and should not be allowed to happen in the United States. It should not be allowed to happen that only any one person, any one person is the only one that is allowed to know these things, but particularly that person who spent three yeah. years screaming that I have a concrete evidence and proof that Donald Trump colluded with uh, the Russians uh, to, to, to meddle with the American election. He has never come forward with any of those things. This guy has exactly zero credibility upon which to rely, and he's the only one that gets to know this information and to know who these people are. That's the part that is so um, galling to me, and I think a lot of Americans. Yeah, would, not going to be the last 30 seconds. No, it would be laughable if it wasn't so serious. And, and I, I was up in, up in uh, Ashtabula County on, on Saturday for an event for Congressman Joyce and uh, spoke to several hundred folks there, and every one of those people get it. They said that that is ridiculous, and that I think the American people, once you get outside of Washington, the American people, they understand this, and they know that this is a complete charade what's going on with Mr. Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and this whole impeachment effort. Any chance that Congressman Joyce gets it? Oh, yeah. Dave Joyce, yeah. No, he's, he's good. We, we, I did a couple events for him on Saturday. We had a great time, and he's doing a great job. He understands it. I would like to see him. I would like to see him follow more of your lead in the Congress. Is what I'm getting at, uh, because uh, quite yeah. frankly, I don't know that he necessarily stands with with you and the other members of the Freedom Caucus, because he has been uh, to me a little bit unsatisfactorily quiet on a lot of these issues. But uh, no, I'm he, glad you're working not, with him. Maybe you can help. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, he gets it. He's he's not on the on the on the Judiciary Committee, the Oversight Committee. He's uh, on on a probes, and so he's a, a different committee sign. But he is he's 100 percent understands that this is ridiculous. What's going on? And it was good to be able to spend some time with Dave and his constituents on uh, on Saturday. I'm glad to hear that. I know you got a lot of work to do today, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time. You bet. Thanks, Bob. Congressman Thanks, Jim buddy. Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. We're late for news, but that's okay. We knew we would be. This was an important conversation, and we'll be right back. Ten thirty-eight now. As we continue on the authority, good Monday to you. Twenty-two minutes of outstanding, awesome left for you. <clears throat> the voice is holding out so far, and that's good. But if you would like to uh, make it easy on me to finish this one up, please dial two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. The more you talk, the more I can listen and not have to strain myself anymore. I had a great weekend uh, at uh, Hillsdale College for Parents Weekend. My freshman daughter there is doing wonderfully, and we uh, got a chance to go up there despite. The Michigan cold. And yeah, it was a little colder up there than it is here. <clears throat> I had to go up because I was not going to miss that opportunity to uh, experience Parents Weekend. But uh, it did mess me with my system a little bit. So uh, we're doing our best to get through this one. And uh, you can dial now. 216 And we'll put you up and on the radio. 
Um, a couple of things. Uh, we're staying on the Baghdadi story, obviously. But I do want to remind you that we are in the final few days uh, of the month of um, October, and it's the final few days of our month-long partnership. Not that we're going to stop being partners after the end of October, but this is our specific on-air campaign to help save babies' lives with Heartbeat International. Heartbeat International, the first network of pro-life pregnancy resource centers in the U.S., the largest in the world, helping to save babies' lives. Their vision? is to make abortion unwanted today and unthinkable in future generations. Their life-saving mission is to reach and rescue as many babies' lives as possible around the world through an effective network of life-affirming pregnancy help to renew communities for life. And that's what we're partnering with here at Salem. And I've been telling you stories all month long. We had a really, really great, uh, uh, important fundraising day in the middle of the week uh, about two weeks ago. And I'm going to continue to remind you that this need is urgent to keep the option line open. What is the option line? The option line is the phone number that women can call when they find themselves in a pregnancy crisis. Crisis being defined loosely as unwanted or unexpected pregnancy. And women who may be at risk for terminating their baby's life, killing their unborn child because of the situation they find themselves in through whatever their reason might be, um, we're trying to give them options. And there are options. You don't have to kill your baby because you find yourself in a traumatic situation. The option line uh, has over 1,100 contacts, contacts per day around the world. It's a 24-7 nationwide contact center in which it's staffed with professionals to help guide these women through uh, their, their unexpected pregnancy situations. And then they refer them to pregnancy resource centers where they, they can get further help and truly understand what it means to give their baby a chance at life, even if it is not the ideal situation for them at that particular time. So we have to staff that option line. The government won't fund it, so we have to fund it instead. The government only funds Planned Parenthood. Understand that. Millions of dollars go to kill babies from the government coffers. No dollars go to to Heartbeat International to save babies. So what do I say? I say we fight back, and we fund Heartbeat International ourselves. It costs $75 to keep the call center open for an hour to take calls. 150 for two hours. A $450 donation would allow four hours a day of calls to be taken. $900 for a half day. And of course, that would mean $1,800 to sponsor a full day of calls to the Heartbeat International option line. Please donate what you can. If everybody listening will continue to do what you have been doing and donate just at least one hour's worth of, of, um, uh, uh, funds to keep the call center open. $75. You will save babies' lives. So please go to our webpage, whkradio.com, whkradio.com, and click on the option line banner at the top of the page. And we, w- and, uh, you will indeed, it'll go right to the donation, uh, donation page, and you will indeed save babies' lives. And that's what this campaign is all about. All right, 216 But I want to go back before I do any calls. I want to read another message. Uh, because this, you know, this is the mindset of the left. And thank goodness I have liberal friends who are willing to expose these kinds of uh, ideas so that I can respond to them. And um, that's, you know, we don't want to just be an echo chamber. I do want to hear other voices so we can kind of, um, you know, let you know what we're facing here. And this is what I've gotten from, again, a, a left wing friend of mine that I went to school with who I responded to on the air when they sent me this Facebook message. And you can send me a message as well at France Radio on Facebook, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. 
And um, he said, how dare you insinuate, paraphrasing him, he said, how dare you insinuate that Democrats were not happy to be captured al-Baghdadi and we'd rather have him still be alive. Of course we're happy about that. And I said, Con- hook up every congressional Democrat to a polygraph and ask if they'd rather have Baghdadi dead with Trump getting credit or a Baghdadi alive and still running ISIS. And what do you think the results would be? Don't be naive. They hate that this mission to kill Baghdadi succeeded. They would rather have him be alive than Trump be getting this credit. Especially since it takes away some of the attention from the um, impeachment proceedings, the kangaroo court, right? Well, the response to that from this particular liberal friend is, were the GOP and RWEs, which he uses for right-wing extremists, upset that Obama got bin Laden? There was this whole I hope he fails movement when Obama took office, and I would like to think they were still happy that bin Laden, uh, but not according to your statements above, Maybe, or he said, but according to your statement above, maybe not. And it's absolutely not. My statement above was about demon rats, not about Republicans. And we have history to tell us the truth. No. Republicans were not upset that Barack Obama ordered the, the raid that eventually led to the death of Osama bin Laden. We cheered. We had been screaming for somebody to get it done ever since President Trump stood on the side of that fire truck or on top of that fire truck at Ground Zero and said, the people who knocked these buildings uh, down will be hearing from all of us soon. We wanted that invasion into Afghanistan to yield bin Laden and the man who actually planned this entire thing, which, of course, we did capture, and who is at Guantanamo, who still is facing his trial, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. We wanted their heads on platters. And when we finally got them, we cheered. You tell me. Find me a Republican, especially prominent ones like ones in elected office, who complained that we weren't informed quickly enough that we were about to get bin Laden. Complained. Tell me this. Tell me this. Was there one quote-unquote right-wing journalist agency, whether that be you know television station or network or newspaper or anything else, that, that memorialized and eulogized and sort of kind of praised the dead terrorist? Did Fox News diminish the accomplishment of killing Osama bin Laden by describing bin Laden? as an austere religious leader who happens to be dead now at age whatever it was, 52? No. We cheered the death of Osama bin Laden. We absolutely cheered it. We didn't eulogize and memorialize the dead terrorist. And better yet, as far as this thing about hoping that Obama failed, stop trying to present that as something that it's not, American liberals. When we said we hope Obama fails, we didn't mean in his presidency. We didn't mean that the country would fail under his leadership. We wanted him to fail personally at fundamentally transforming. Those were his words. He wanted to fundamentally transform America. We hoped he failed at that because we like America. We like being capitalists, not socialists. We like being strong military, uh, a strong military nation, not a weaker one. We like having liberties and not governmental tyranny. We didn't want it to be fundamentally transformed. We hoped he failed in turning a capitalist economy into a socialist one. We hoped he failed at weakening our military, which he did, by the way, 
Um, we hoped that he failed in limiting Americans' liberties and, and putting more governmental restrictions upon us, which he did through unprecedented regulation. We hoped that he failed in raising our taxes. We wanted him to succeed, but as an American president, not a, a, a wannabe socialist na- uh, nation, nation state. That's what we wanted. To compare the two is just, it's begging. It really is begging. But now, since we have the subject of Barack Obama brought up, I want to share another piece of information. That is a little bit controversial, but I will. I feel comfortable presenting it to this extent. Um, I I trust Judicial Watch. Bottom line is I do. I trust Judicial Watch. And there are reports today, and actually this isn't today, this isn't from today, this is just kind of getting renewed attention. Since we're talking about the destruction of ISIS, or at least the death of its leader, the most wanted terrorist in the world, al-Baghdadi, how did ISIS get its rise? And Judicial Watch reported back in 2015, and this is again kind of getting new attention today because of the death of Baghdadi, they reported back in 2015 that 2012 Defense Intelligence Agency documents showed that the West, under the direction of President Obama, facilitated the rise of the Islamic State intentionally in order to isolate the Syrian regime. In other words, to make this big, long, drawn-out story short, it was believed, and Judicial Watch uncovered these documents through FOIA requests, that 2012 Defense Intelligence Agency documents said that the West will facilitate, that's us, the rise of ISIS, the Islamic State, in order to isolate the Syria regime. In other words, they looked at a small, they looked at a, a small, um, I'm trying to figure out the way to phrase this, small window fix without considering the larger term implications that would come from this. Monday, May 18th, 2015, the conservative government watchdog group Judicial Watch published uh, some formerly classified documents obtained from the U.S. Department of Defense and the State Department from 2012 through a federal lawsuit they filed. And that, do- that documentation included that the White House's handling of the Benghazi consulate attack was a much bigger picture admission and confirmation um, that was contained in the Defense Intelligence Agency documents that an Islamic State was desired in eastern Syria to affect the West's policies in the region. Astoundingly, the newly classified report stated, again, this is three or four years ago, now 2015, the West, Gulf countries, and Turkey, who support the Syrian opposition, remember, Assad was our enemy, there is the possibility of establishing a declared or undeclared Salafist principality in eastern Syria. And this is exactly what the supporting powers to the opposition want in order to isolate the Syrian regime. So in just plain English, that the United States, along with some of our Western allies, would want to, and this is Barack Obama making this call for the United States, would want to allow an Islamic, uh, an Islamic state to rise up 
in Syria in order to combat our, our enemy um, in Bashar al-Assad, the actual Syrian leader. Not thinking about what the big picture would be, about how out of control that particular Islamic State, or ISIL, as they called it when John Kerry was the Secretary of State, uh, might grow. As early as 2012, U.S. Uh, intelligence predicted the rise of this Islamic State, but rather than delineating that group as an enemy, the report envisioned it as being an asset. And yet here we are now, seven years later, ISIS has been just an absolute wrecking crew of a terrorist organization, something that we hope will cease now, uh, or at least you know get a, a, a strong step toward achieving that end with the death of its leader, um, uh, Abu al-Bakar al-Baghdadi. All right, it's 1051. Uh, the voice is starting to fade a little bit. Let me get out and come back in again and wrap it up on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1055, final segment of the broadcast this morning. We have been pretty much one issue oriented, and that has been the, uh, the uh, killing or the uh, forced suicide of uh, uh, Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi. And if you want to weigh in on that before we're done, let's do it. Don in Cuyahoga Falls wants to do exactly that. Hey, Don, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, this, the death of al-Baghdadi, uh, and you raised this point too, brought up, uh, to me, one of the more bizarre incidents in the Barack Obama administration, and that was the killing of, of bin Laden. Uh, what was strange about it to me was that they treated him like he was some noble, great foe, like uh, Rommel or Saladin or something. And uh, when they announced the killing, they said they had done a DNA test to prove it was him, which I don't know about that, if you could do that in 12 hours. I always thought sometimes it takes weeks. And then they announced that they had buried him at sea with respect right. Islamic law, right? Which you know, treating him that way with this great respect, I thought was just utterly bizarre and weird. And uh, you know, we're kind of getting that same thing now with this El Baghdadi. Like these are noble foes that deserve our respect for being these great warriors. Only the not. left, but but only the left, because that's you know, I read this earlier in the first hour of the program. I don't know if you heard it, but uh, the former Obama Joint Chief Vice Chair James Winnefeld said on CBS yesterday he bashed Trump for, quote, piling humiliation, end quote, on ISIS after the killing Baghdadi, saying that, quote, if you look back at the bin Laden raid, we treated his body with respect that is due under Islam, end quote. And as I said at that time, Donna, maybe you didn't hear it, since when are we under Islam? We are under no obligation whatsoever to observe Islamic rules when we kill an Islamic terrorism who murdered people in barbaric ways, specifically in the name of his religion. Yep, exactly. My point, and how how do they treat us? You know, when they kill us. <laughs> oh my you're, goodness! You're... <laughs> yeah, well, and, and and we've seen that they be beheadings, burning alive, crucifying Christians, uh, torturing in in medieval ways. I mean, that is exactly the point here, Don. I'm so glad you called to make that and underscore that point because because you're right. That is a big difference. They respect Islamic terrorist leaders. You can see it in the Washington Post. You can see it in uh, Bloomberg News. You can see it in the number of, of left-wing media reports discuss, discussing and describing the death of al-Baghdadi. They respect Islamic terrorist leaders because they don't want to be uh, viewed as being uh, Islamophobic. We, on the right, revile 
Islamic terrorists, as we would revile all terrorists, and we're not going to heap respect on their names after we kill them. Jim in West Park next. Hi, Jim, go ahead. Yeah, um, on the game last night, the the uh, game, uh, what do you call it, the World Series game, they showed Donald Trump on the big screen, and yeah. they were the fans were booing him and, and chanting, uh, lock him up. Yes, they were. Thanks for taking my call. I was on Bill oh, Cunningham you just wanted to point that out? Okay, Jim, you're right, buddy. Uh, they did that, and you know what? I say in response to that, good. I would rather have Donald Trump being booed by the swamp that he is trying to end and cheered by middle America, which appreciates everything that he has and continues to do for this country. I would. I would rather have him booed by the swamp. If the swamp was cheering him, he's doing it wrong. He's doing it wrong. So good. The fact that the Washington uh, audience uh, booed him yesterday, that's good. Because guess what? The Astros are going to win the World Series anyway. And then they're going to go back to the White House. And they're going to have a great ceremony with President Trump. And that's the way it ought to be. That's the way we have to leave this one. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Uh, a lot of other stories to get to on tomorrow's program, but seriously, the death of al-Baghdadi made this a one-topic show that I'm very, very proud to have shared with you. Mike Gallagher's coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.